This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich, that's how it goes. Everybody knows. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Two days late, but we will dedicate the entire program to 9 11. Loads and loads of loose threads remain, and we'll tug at some of those. Will the entire sweater unravel? I'm not so sure, but I think it, uh, here's an old word my grandmother taught me, behooves us in the media to keep tugging at those loose threads. Otherwise, why am I behind this microphone? Or why is a newspaper man you know, pounding out a column every week. If we're not asking questions, we're not doing our job. And I'm not here telling you that you have to believe that 9-11 is an inside job or you're a moron. I I won't have that sort of strident in-your-face approach on this program. But I do, I think, provide a safe platform for those who do believe it was an inside job. And there are legions who do according to a Zogby poll taken a few years ago, and this is the last poll actually I've seen on the topic, 70 million Americans of voting age believe they're not getting the truth about 9-11. That doesn't mean 70 million Americans believe it was an inside job, but 70 million Americans of voting age have questions. And I have questions. And I know you have questions. And I'm willing to follow the truth wherever it leads. If it leads to a cave in Afghanistan and Osama bin Laden orchestrating the most sophisticated terrorist attack the history is, the, the world has ever known using a satellite telephone, then so be it. But quite frankly, I have to sit here to tell you eight years later, that theory, that conspiracy theory, and it is a conspiracy theory, doesn't pass the sniff test. 
There are, in fact, two conspiracy theories. There is the official conspiracy theory, again, that Osama bin Laden, in a cave in Afghanistan, using a satellite phone, in communication with his minions in al-Qaeda, his cells in the United States, orchestrated this monumentally sophisticated attack. That's a conspiracy theory. It is one, however, that the FBI to this day doesn't seem to give a lot of credence to, and I'll tell you why. If you go onto the FBI official website, and they have there, of course, the list of uh, their most wanted, and who do, you, who do you suppose, who do you surmise would be at the top of their list? Well, Osama bin Laden, of course. But if you read why he's on the list, you'll, you'll read no mention of 9-11. He's wanted for the bombing of two American embassies in, in uh, Africa, Kenya and Tanzania. There may be even some mention of his attack on the USS Cole. No mention of 9-11. Why? Why? Rex Toom is the director of publicity investigation for the FBI, and he's on record as saying, we simply don't have the evidence. Nor... Have we sent uh, an indictment, I, I suppose, or uh, nor have we asked the Department of Justice to indict Osama bin Laden? So the FBI doesn't think the case has been made. That's interesting, wouldn't you say? That's a question that needs to be answered. You don't have to be a 9-11 truther or believe that it was an inside job. You just have to have a little bit of God-given curiosity, I would think, to ask that question. Yet, it seems to be no one in the establishment media has tugged on that rather obvious loose thread. So let's tug on some loose threads tonight, shall we? And this is where I need your help. We are now in what? Week five, Dan, of the program? Week five. Yes. Wow. And uh, it hasn't been, quite frankly, a lot of... Um, interaction with uh, the listeners, and I'd like more of that. I've just, I've had uh, so many great guests on, and uh, we've had some wonderful discussions, but tonight, for the first hour anyway, I'm going to put the onus on you, because I'd like to know what you think. Which conspiracy theory do you subscribe to when it comes to 9-11? Do you believe the official conspiracy theory? Osama bin Laden, cave, Afghanistan, satellite phone, 19 hijackers flying planes into North and South Tower, the Pentagon? Or do you believe the unofficial conspiracy surrounding 9-11? That someone perhaps inside the U.S. government or someone inside the United States but in the shadow government orchestrated this or perhaps turned a blind eye and allowed it to happen. Let me give you these numbers. I want you to write them down, commit them to memory, tack them onto your refrigerator, but give me a call. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll free, 1-866-740-740. Forty-seven forty one eight six six zero. Ah, sorry, one eight six six seven four zero, forty-seven forty. 
The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, off and running on September the 13th. Dan Ellison, my technical producer, will be your uh, concierge tonight, taking your calls. Let me give you a heads up what's coming up a little bit later. Around midnight, we'll speak with a very uh, controversial woman in the field of 9-11 research. In fact, she's a pariah to many 9-11 truthers because she does not believe in what to my mind has become a religion for some in the 9-11 truth movement, and that is the theory of controlled demolition. She does not subscribe to the idea that the World Trade Center buildings, and there were more than just the North and South and, and, and Building 7. There were more than three buildings. There were something like eight or nine buildings in the World Trade Center complex that were brought down that day, many in similar fashion. She doesn't sub- subscribe to the idea, however, that there were explosives planted inside the buildings and that those buildings came down under controlled demolition. And I have to, to be up, uh, up front with you and square, as I always try to be. I don't necessarily buy into controlled demolition anymore either. I used to. I used to before I was given what I think was a master's class in detonation, explosives, and demolition by a Hollywood special effects man by the name of Ron Craig. In fact, I put him on against Richard Gage from 9-11 Truthers uh, Architects and Engineers, who is, a, um, I believe, an architect and has been very outspoken and, and, and uh, touring the country presenting evidence that it was controlled demolition. And I think I, I, I provided one of the few rational, civil uh, debates, putting Ron Craig on against Richard Gage, and in subsequent conversations I've had with uh, Ron Craig, I, I no longer belo- uh, uh, buy into controlled demolition. But I'm not an explosives expert. And uh, I, I wouldn't know uh, uh, thermite from a stick of gum. But right now, in terms of uh, that, dis- that discussion, the pendulum seems to me it's swinging away from controlled demolition. Well, Dr. Judy Wood has another theory as to what might have brought down those buildings and uh, some of you are maybe thinking, wow, now he's really putting on the tinfoil hat. We're entering, uh, you know, woo-woo territory here. But listen to her a little bit later in the program before you pass judgment. She thinks we're talking about some sort of particle beam or a directed energy weapon, perhaps developed under the auspices of the, uh, the, the SDI, uh, the Star Wars or Strategic Defense, Defense Initiative, otherwise known as Star Wars. Why don't we... Uh, Go to the phones here and start things off with George. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show on AM 740, George. Richard, I'm glad you're back on air again. I appreciate it, George. I don't necessarily agree with you all the time, but I always find it interesting to listen to you. That's the best we can hope for, George. Um, I, I, as I say, I don't have a tinfoil hat. I don't live in my mother's basement. And uh, when it comes to things like this, I go always go for, remember, Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is usually the correct one. I do believe that uh, an organized terrorist plot involving bin Laden and the lads is what happened on September the 11th, 2001. All right, George, let me ask you, in, in, with all respect here, yeah. why do you think that 
the official conspiracy theory fits uh, is the is the uh, the most obvious or rational answer. Considering we are talking about the most sophisticated um, air defense system in the world has ever known, uh, how could a man, again going by the official theory, in a cave with a satellite phone, penetrate that air defense system uh, and, and pull this off? But Why is that the most pen- obvious answer? He didn't penetrate any air defense system. He found a gap in American domestic policy with regards to flights, and he exploited it. Uh, they were able to get onto flights with weaponry. Uh, they, uh, unlike El Al, uh, these boys didn't lock the cockpit doors. That's fact. That's the way it was in the world at one time. Uh, they, they, uh, let's not forget that bin Laden was given official sanction by the Afghan government. It wasn't just a cell phone in a, a satellite phone in a cave. This is a man who has had a position of power in the Afghan government um, and exploited it. He had money. He had resources. It isn't, uh, it isn't all that complex or all that hard to believe that this is how it happened. Why then is uh, the FBI uh, not willing to um, to get involved? Because they, they they don't think there's enough evidence. They can't. There no, isn't enough as far as they're concerned. The FBI. Uh, no, 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 no. Not one member. He's not one member. This is the FBI's official position. Well, the the. I'm sure if the opportunity came tomorrow morning for the FBI to arrest Bin Laden, they would. They wouldn't say, well, we don't think there's enough evidence. We're not going to proceed. We're not going to arrest him. And if you think that, and I'm sure you don't, um, then that truly is a naive position to take. No, no, no. But the point is, George, officially, what they are saying is there isn't enough evidence, and they they are willing to indict him today. They have indicted him today uh, on on charges of bombing uh, U.S. embassies because they have the evidence. But they saying they're saying, and this is quite, you know, definitive. Uh, we don't have the evidence. In fact, shortly after 9/11, we were we were promised by Colin Powell that they would present a white paper outlining all the evidence against Bin Laden that we we've yet to see. Uh, that that white paper. We have where there was a conviction of the purported 20th uh, terrorist. wasn't uh, fanciful. It was held in a court of law. Presumption of innocence was extended, and at the end of the day, he was convicted. Right, I agree, George. Uh, but still, no evidence pointing to Osama bin Laden. That's the official theory. If we make this a criminal investigation. The onus is on those who cling to the official version to present the evidence. If there's reasonable doubt, we have to acquit. Back to uh, your calls. Which conspiracy theory do you subscribe to as we commemorate the eighth anniversary of 9-11? Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. Ah, Oakham's Razor, there's the rub. 
What did George say? His definition, the simplest explanation, is usually the right one. Uh, the actual definition is, that is, the fewer assumptions an explanation or phenomenon depends on, the better it is. But I don't think that the official explanation or the official conspiracy theory, I'm calling it, of 9-11 uh, really applies to Oakham's razor. There are so many obvious and nagging questions that um, I think the more you tug at these, uh, these loose threads, the more the sweater begins to unravel. And again, I, I, I repeat, if this is a criminal investigation, would it stand up in court, the official version? No, it would not. Now, having said that, I'm still willing to, to suspend judgment and listen if someone can, can uh, take all of these unanswered questions one at a time and knock them out of the park and answer them. But they haven't been, and that is my dispute, not only with the establishment media, uh, uh, but uh, with elected officials. Let's face it, the 9-11 Commission was a complete whitewash. In fact, most of the commissioners now say so. 60% of the, um, the 10 commissioners including the senior counsel for the 9-11 Commission, John Farmer, has said, we were not told the truth by the Pentagon. Essentially, we were misled, we were lied, we were set up to fail. Now, that doesn't mean that those six commissioners believe it was an inside job, but what it does mean is we need a new investigation. And I think that's a good place to start. What would be wrong with a new investigation? People say, when you talk about these things on the air, you're doing a disservice to the memory of those people whose lives were lost. I could not disagree more. When we look the other way, when we don't ask important questions, when we have a naive and unhealthy trust of authority, that's when we do a disservice to the victims. I don't need to tell you that most of the victims' families have the same questions that I do, and maybe that you do too. What's the nagging question as far as you're concerned relating to 9-11? Dr. Judy Wood will be with us, a professor of mechanical engineering at Clemson University, has a very interesting theory as to what brought down the World Trade Center towers. We'll bring her on the program in about 40 minutes' time. But uh, for now, it's just you, me, and the telephone folks. Christina, good to have you aboard. Welcome to The Conspiracy Hi, Show. Richard. Hello there. Hello. Hi. Hi, Richard. Go ahead. I am so delighted that you're back on the air. Well, bless you, and thank you. Um, well, I'm a believer in um, not the official conspiracy, but I actually think it probably was an inside job. Um, my brother was in the building when the plane hit. Which building? He, he fortunately got out. North, South Tower? Which in, one? Uh, the first tower to be hit. Okay. I'm trying to remember now if it was the North Tower that was hit first, I think. I um, should know this. I'm thinking for some reason that it was the South Tower. Uh, South but, Tower. Uh, anyway, he was in the first one to be okay. hit. And got out and helped the, he and the other employees on that floor. He was on the 25th floor. Helped um, a pregnant woman down. But he still breaks out in tears when he remembers helping the firemen, stepping aside to help the firemen go up, none of whom came down. Right, right. Now, you have doubts. Your brother was in the building. Yes. How does he feel about your we views? We can't talk to him about it. You can't. 
he I don't and he lives in the states i don't I don't think that he could contemplate living in a country that would do that to its own citizens. you know Christina, that is something that many people ask me um, how could you contemplate a government targeting its own people and uh, I mean that Don't would be, be that would be the culmination of evil exactly there is there is certainly uh, a pattern here uh, whether you want to go back to the early 30s and talk about the uh, the Tuskegee uh, syphilis um, a project when 200 black males who had syphilis were not told they had syphilis deliberately so that they could study them and poke them and prod them and watch them die uh, or whether it was the 400 prisoners in uh, Chicago who were um, uh, in- injected or exposed to malaria so that they could poke them and jab them and prod them and watch them suffer uh, just to study malaria. An incident, incidentally, that the Nazis at the Nuremberg trial pointed to when they said, well, we saw what you did in Chicago. We thought, hey, that sounds like fair pool. If you can do it, so can we. Uh, or Donald Ewan Cameron up here in Canada at Allen Memorial Hospital and McGill University with the tacit approval of the Canadian government was essentially handed a series of experiments involving LSD by the CIA. Women taken off the street ostensibly complaining of what probably today would be diagnosed as postpartum uh, depression were injected with massive doses of, uh, or given massive doses of LSD, and their, my, their memories were wiped clean. Their lives destroyed. Now, for those of, out, of you out there thinking, uh, oh, here we go again with the, um, the paranoia and the tinfoil hats, this is not fanciful, uh, this is not a fantasy. This actually happened. In fact, there was a class action lawsuit, and judges awarded money to victims of Dr. Ewan Cameron's handiwork. So there is a pattern. There is absolutely a pattern of governments targeting their own citizens. When we come back, we can talk about Operation Northwoods, if you'd like. Were it not for some level-headed defense secretary by the name of Robert McNamara, the Joint Chiefs of Staff might have targeted U.S. citizens in order to drum up support for an invasion of Cuba. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Dr. Judy Wood coming up on the program. Just a quick note, those of you who tuned in expecting to hear Barry Zwicker, 9-11 researcher and author of Towers of Deception, uh, was to join me tonight from New York, but uh, incommunicado. Uh, probably caught up in, uh, he's down in New York, incidentally, uh, attending and speaking before a, um, uh, a conference called We Demand Transparency, along with Ian Woods. Uh, they were to join me on uh, in the first hour. However, uh, we're doing just fine, aren't we? The, uh, the calls are appreciated. Again, 416-360-0740. I mentioned Operation Northwoods. And this was a false flag plan, which was proposed by the United States government back in 1962. So John F. Kennedy, of course, in the White House. And the plan uh, called for the CIA and uh, some other operatives to commit apparent acts of terrorism in U.S. cities in order to create public support for a war against Castro-led Cuba. Starting to sound familiar? 
Remember the Maine? The Gulf of Tonkin incident? I, I just mentioned uh, Remember the Maine. And, uh, of course, uh, the United States uh, was very interested in some military misadventure or adventure in uh, places like the Philippines and Cuba and Puerto Rico uh, back in the late 19th century, around 1898. And, uh, of course, William Randolph Hearst sent a photographer down to Cuba, and he said, here, I want you to get some pictures of the war. And the photographer said, well, Mr. Hearst, there is no war in Cuba. He said, you supply the pictures, I'll supply the war. And, of course, William Randolph Hearst has become, well, if you look up yellow journalism in the dictionary, you'll see his picture. And not surprisingly, uh, popular mechanics, of course, uh, which around, what was it, March 2005, uh, wrote this uh, wonderful response to the, um, the 9-11 um, conspiracy theorists where they claim to debunk them all. I just find it interesting that uh, it's a Hearst publication, uh, given their track record and their, uh, well, the name is really synonymous with yellow journalism. In other words, uh, William Randolph Hearst wasn't above, above uh, lying, embellishing, making up interviews, uh, whatever it took. So, uh, also, we still haven't got to the bottom. Uh, the man that was responsible for putting that, that popular mechanics piece together, 25-year-old Benjamin Chertoff, there is still some speculation. People are still trying to get to the, the bottom of this, whether he is uh, related to the Chertoff, who was the czar of Homeland Security, or was under, uh, under Bush. Uh, there are some who contend that they are cousins, which would be a rather comfortable or uncomfortable relationship when you think about it. The editor writing this 9-11 piece, debunking the conspiracies, happens to be the cousin of the czar of Homeland Security. There are, there are uh, a couple of uh, uh, theories on that. One is that they are maybe distant cousins if you go all the way back to Belarus. Uh, but someone apparently contacted Benjamin Chertoff's mother and, and she said in a phone call, matter-of-factly, yes, he is the first cousin of, uh, um, is it Michael Chertoff, the head of, or who was the head of Homeland Security? All right, back to the phones we go. And uh, let's say hello to Carl. Welcome, Carl. Uh, good day, sir. Uh, I'm wondering why no one has mentioned this. On November the 11th, on NBC television, uh, during all the hectic uh, broadcasting, a reporter came on, and he said very hurriedly, the fire department has ordered its members to leave the building as they have discovered unexploded bombs. I have this on videotape. You do? And this was a, a CBS report? Hmm. Um, I, 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 could, uh, I could send a copy of it to you if you want. I would love to see that, Carl. You know, it's always interesting and important to pay attention to the first initial broadcasts. Uh, I seem to recall something very similar when the, um, the federal building, the Murrah building in, in Oklahoma City, uh, they would talk about explosions inside the building in those early reports. And uh, then we talk about uh, the early reports when uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., uh, when his plane went down, uh, we were told that the weather, of course, over Martha's Vineyard was absolutely horrid, but uh, the, initial, uh, the initial reports were that it was just beautiful blue skies, and, uh, and then you never hear those initial reports again. Carl, I'd love to see that tape. Well, would... uh, your listeners out there, whenever there is a disaster of this type... Uh, set a, v, a VC, well, VCR, whatever kind of recording you know, device you have, because things are broadcast that uh, they wouldn't normally broadcast. Things get over the air that wouldn't normally get over the air. Yep, you see them once and then never again. Carl, thank you for that. Great call. 
Uh, let us say hello uh, to Alec. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show, Alec. Uh, hi, Richard. Glad you're back on the air. Thank you. Uh, yes, I am a believer in the unofficial uh, version of 9-11. And my uh, nagging question about the whole thing is, how can the 19 hijackers uh, still be alive after flying the planes into the building? There are, I think at last count, about six of those uh, hijackers that were um, mentioned that actually ended up um, turning up being alive, some in Pakistan, I think some in, one in, uh, in, in the U.K. somewhere, uh, perhaps one in Saudi Arabia, one in Egypt, if memory serves, uh, just uh, you know, law-abiding uh, good Muslims, uh, you're right. And then, of course, well, the, uh, I guess the, uh, the FBI's suggestion was, well, their identities were stolen. The, there are a number of interesting questions. The, none of the 19 hijack, hijackers' names uh, appeared on the, uh, the, the manifest, the passenger list, which was released the, the same, di- same day by both United Airlines and American Airlines. And if their names aren't on the passenger list, how was it that all 19 uh, were um, essentially identified in less than 72 hours? Uh, it, it, it is very curious. Where did they get those names if they weren't on the passenger list? And uh, I don't need to mention, uh, the, you know, talking about Oakham's razor, my Lord, we have this report from CBS and the Associated Press that a passport, uh, two passports belonging to two hijackers appeared at the, uh, the foot of the World Trade Center towers in pristine condition, no less, despite the fact that uh, the fire was raging at around 2,000 degrees and, um, you know, totally vaporized the human remains and most of the, uh, the, the airplane, and yet these two paper passports survived conveniently so that they can identify two of the passports. I mean, talk about fan, uh, you know, uh, uh, fantasy. Now, I, believe, I don't believe that someone actually found those passports. I think someone made up that story uh, and floated it on CBS in order to, uh, well, I guess solidify the, uh, the official conspiracy theory. But again, there's a, there's a question that I would think any reporter that's been trained to cover a house fire would say, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mr. FBI agent. Let me see those passports. Who found them? Let me speak to that person. I just, I don't think that's very logical. Do you? Is anybody? Now, again... That's just one loose thread, and, and that doesn't mean it was an inside job. But again, that's a question people ought to be asking. Why would a pious Muslim leave a how-to-fly video manual, a uniform, and his last will inside his bag knowing he was on a suicide mission? That's a question I think someone ought to try and answer. It'd be nice to have a... Uh, another investigation where these questions could be asked and addressed? That's not too much to ask. Paul, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good evening, Richard. Thank you for taking my call. Not at all. Um, it's really great that you're still on the path of logic. And uh, my nagging question is, and it's right from the beginning, uh, after 9-11 had happened, uh, all flights were uh, grounded. Not one to, was to fly except one. 
and it was one plane uh, carrying the Ben Laden family and the Saudi uh, royals. Yes. Now, you got to ask yourself, when it was two days later, then the Ben Laden name came up again with Osama, uh, how did they let that one pass by? Yes, I know Michael Moore addressed that, uh, that he asked that question in his, uh, his documentary. Was it 9-11 Fahrenheit? Was that what it was, what it was called? Dan, does that sound familiar? Fahrenheit 9-11, thank you. Um, I don't have an answer for you. I don't have a lot of answers. I just got a lot of questions. And I, and I don't think you got to be a, a, a tinfoil hat anti-Semite, as uh, many have been labeled, for simply asking that question. Listen, I, I was on a, a, a television show with Barry Zwicker, incidentally, uh, the other day, talking about 9-11. And the host, who happens to be a good mate and a friend of mine, uh, but let's face it, he's part of the media establishment, and he has a reputation to protect. Uh, but his tactic, right from the get-go, as well as the dusty old gatekeeper he had on from the Calgary Herald, was to inject as many times as they could into discussion, Holocaust denier, anti-Semite, not directed at myself or Barry Zwicker, uh, but the implication is that anyone who believes that 9-11 was an inside job must be an anti-Semite. And, uh, you know, I have to admit, unfortunately, there are some, I'm sure, in the 9-11 uh, truth movement that are. There are anti-Semites, uh, well, there were, in the, uh, the Liberal Party back in the 1940s when Jews who were escaping Nazi Germany tried to get into this country and a Liberal member of Parliament stood up and said, none is too many. There are anti-Semites everywhere. Everywhere. And it's despicable. And I wish that element of society could be expunged somehow. But that has nothing to do with the fact that we still don't know who's in possession of the eight disappeared instructable black boxes on those four flights. Or why Mohammed Atta was studying, studying a flight simulation at Opalaka, hub of no less than six U.S. Navy training bases. That is an important question, too. We, you don't have to be an anti-Semite to ask those questions. Are there anti-Semites, excuse me, <clears throat> in the 9-11 truth movement? No doubt. No doubt. They're everywhere. They're a hateful, vengeful mean people everywhere. But we cannot allow people in the establishment media to continue to use that very unsophisticated method of stifling an important discussion. Let's go back to the phones. Oh, uh, just a reminder, Dr. Judy Wood will be with us coming up at the top of the hour. You'll want to stay tuned for this one. If you've not heard Dr. Judy Wood, she is very controversial, but I think she needs to be heard. She's not uh, buying that the World Trade Center towers were brought down by controlled demolition. She has another theory. It involves a directed energy weapon. She's one of these people that, again, is held up by those in the establishment media utilizing the straw man argument. Look how crazy this person is. She represents all of the 9-11 truth movement. 
except that when you hear her, I don't think she sounds that crazy. But only you'll be uh, able to judge for yourself. Listen, why don't we uh, collect ourselves, come back on the other side, and uh, start to tug at some more of those loose threads. Whether you believe that it was an inside job or not, we've got to ask these questions. And I, I, I can assure you, you'll be treated with uh, respect no matter what your position. I think the truth can handle it. On 9-11, I was on the basement of the North Tower, and before the plane hit, there was a huge explosion. While I was on B-1 at 8.46, we hear, boom, an explosion so loud and so hard that pushed us upwards in the air, upwards, coming from below. I mean, 20 years in the building, I know the difference between something coming from the top and something coming from the bottom. I have no idea what was going on, but what I do know was that there were two separate events. The truth will set you free, but first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. That was William Rodriguez, just a janitor, just a janitor, but an eyewitness to a pretty historic event. And if you were listening, he said that the tremendous explosion that occurred in the basement of the World Trade Center Tower uh, happened before the plane struck the building. They were two separate events. You don't have to have an opinion one way or the other about whether 9-11 was an inside job or whether it was Osama bin Laden. That's a pretty important piece of testimony, I would say. I don't think you'll find any of William Rodriguez's testimony in the 9-11 Commission report. But I think somebody ought to sit down with him and talk some more. Maybe there are other people out there who have similar stories to tell. Anyway, I, um, I began uh, talking about Operation Northwoods, and then I got sidetracked, as I am wont to do. Um, again, false flag plan proposed within the, U- the U.S. government by the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This has been... Um, it was also called... Um, there was another name for it that escapes me. Anyway, James Bamford is a researcher and author who obtained the, uh, these documents... Uh, through the Freedom of Information Act. And, of course, um, many of the documents are redacted, which, um, you know, they're, they're stroked out in black pen, so you can't read some important points. But what came through clearly was that, that the Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted to bolster support among the U.S. public for, for war in Cuba. They wanted to go to war against Castro-led Cuba. And so they wanted to develop a communist Cuban terror campaign in the Miami area and other Florida cities, even in Washington. The plan included uh, plans for hijackings and bombings, followed by the use of phony evidence that would blame the terrorist acts on a foreign government, namely Cuba. Sound familiar? Journalist Seymour Hirsch reports that just before leaving office, Dick Cheney proposed a scheme to the Pentagon that would see the U.S. Navy building Iranian gunboats manned by U.S. Navy SEALs, which would then attack a U.S. vessel in the Gulf of Hormuz, thus providing the pretext for war or an invasion or a bombing of Iran. Start to sound familiar? Is there a pattern? You know, 
In a criminal investigation, let's say murder, if someone is overheard at a bar saying, I think I'm going to murder my wife, and then that poor woman ends up dead, do you think it would be important, an important piece of evidence, if someone in the bar was on the stand and said, I heard that man say he'd like to kill his wife. Yes, that's the same thing we're talking about. They've demonstrated an intent. There is a pattern. Again, not saying it proves that 9-11 was an inside job, but interesting question, don't you think? An interesting pattern. Let's say hello to uh, Kathleen. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show on oh, AM welcome 740. Back, Richard. Thank you so much. I saw you on the Michael Cohen show, and I was amazed how quiet you were. How quiet uh, you I know, was? Because Michael Cohen goes on and on and on, and he was putting you down. No, uh, to be fair, no, Michael wasn't putting me down. Very well. I, well, I want to be fair, because uh, Michael is a friend. We happen to disagree on, uh, on 9-11. Although, having said that, um, if you watch the show, Michael, actually, I'm not sure if he even recognized at the moment sort of the gravitas of what he was saying, but he's a, such a bright man, I can't imagine this escaped him. He left it, him, him, his mind, or he left it open to the possibility that someone within the U.S. government might have looked the other way. Oh, yes. You know, that's a pretty significant thing to say for someone who will not listen to any conspiracy theories. He's willing to concede that someone within the U.S. government might have looked the other way. Well, mm -hmm. if you look the other way, uh, I mean, that is, uh, that's a very, very serious crime. I mean, if you allow someone to be injured, I mean, that's, that's, that's even worse than criminal negligence. I mean, you could be an, accessor, an accessory to murder. Uh, that's evil, <laughs> to say the least, but it's, it, it goes a long way um, for me, for Michael to say that. I mean, he's almost conceding that it's possible it was an inside job. It only takes a couple people to look the other way. Kathleen? Hey. Thank you for the call. Let's say hello to uh, John. Good, good evening, well, good John. Evening. Good evening, Richard. Hi. Uh, the buildings were over-engineered to withstand major storms and hit some large airliners. They were built with 47 enormous interior steel core columns. Uh, Richard Gage, in his DVD, substantially proves that, that there were literally lakes of molten steel in the basements, 100 feet below ground level. The, the, the building was hit at a quarter to nine and never came down until 10.30 in the morning. This time period is often overlooked. Um, there needs to be an expl explanation for that. Now, back to the molten metal. I'm looking at two of these enormous 47 columns, and the buildings we know have came down at free fall speed, which is 10 seconds or less. And I think it was 6.6 .6 seconds. Yeah. Mm. Uh, no, no, the... the the twin buildings came down in, in around nine and a half, I believe. The seven seconds pertains to building seven. Ah, which I, okay, which thank I like you. To ignore. Thank you. The, Did we lose him? Uh, the. Um, okay, let me just stop you there because uh, you're you're um, you're hitting on a number of important points, John. I uh, I've had uh, Richard Gage on my program, and I set up an, a debate with uh, Richard and a uh, an explosives and demolitions expert by the name of Ron Craig who probably knows more about uh, explosives and, and uh, the chemistry involved in, in uh, explosives and demolition 
than uh, just about anybody. Uh, if, if there was a PhD in this area, I, he probably has it. I'm not sure. But uh, one of the things that he told me, and, and I think it came out in that debate, was those 47 core, uh, uh, you know, metal, uh, what do you want to call them? Uh, cores, anyway. They're, they're, those, those, they're, they're really the spine of the building. Many of them, or some of them at least, were inaccessible for maintenance. And, and, he, and he checked this by looking at the maintenance records. I mean, he, this guy does his research. In fact, the only way to test the, I guess, the continuity or the cohesiveness or the stability of these, these, uh, some of these core beams, is the word I'm looking for, was to drill into them uh, through a wall and then into these, uh, these beams because they couldn't actually access them. So if you, can a- if you cannot access them, how could you wire them for demolition? That's an interesting point. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is everyone's now talking about nanothermite and thermite. Uh, thermite's found in a lot of things, including drywall, including, I think, even chewing gum. So the fact that they would find thermite uh, in, the, um, in the burning embers uh, of what were the North and South Towers isn't necessarily the smoking gun. Um, so I... You know, I, I got to say, in all honesty, I'm not, I'm not convinced anymore that it was controlled demolition. I bought into it at first. I certainly did. But again, even if it wasn't controlled demolition, that, that, that doesn't necessarily disprove that it wasn't an inside job. So it was airline, or, uh, flights 175 and 11 that slammed into uh, the North and South Towers that brought them down. Who was flying the plane? Who were they working for? Who trained them? How did they slip past the air defense? Why were there uh, three F-16s out of uh, Andrews Air Force Base about, oh, what, 15 minutes from Washington, D.C., who were on a training mission down in uh, North Carolina? They could have been recalled and uh, flying well below their top speed which I think is 1,500 miles per hour, which is roughly what, Mach 2, they could have been back in, in, uh, in minutes to defend the airspace over Washington. They were never recalled. Some call that a stand-down order. Some call it mass confusion. The transponders were, flo- were turned off on the planes. They didn't know who they were tracking. But the interesting thing is that there were so many, so many simulations and, and training missions going on as if to deliberately create confusion. There were actually simulations on that day simulating uh, what if a terrorist hijacked a jet and flew it into a building like the Pentagon. They were actually running those exercises on the very day. How did Osama bin Laden get that information so that he could know now would be a really good day to try something like this? Because the air traffic controllers, and NORAD, they're going to be so confused with all these simulation exercises going on, they won't know what's going and what's coming, and they won't know a United Airlines 89 from a United Airlines Flight 93. It'll be such a mess up there, we'll be able to slip through. How did Osama bin Laden have that kind of information without a little help on the inside? That might be an interesting question that the 9-11 Commission, the next one if there is one, asks. Back on the other side. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This is another one of those nagging questions. Of all the security cameras that would be pointed at the Pentagon, why can't we get one decent bit of footage about what actually hit that building? Now, you just heard uh, Jamie McIntyre, who was um, on the scene at the Pentagon, and that was his CNN report, and many have latched onto that report saying, aha, you see, Jamie McIntyre is saying, in effect, no plane hit the Pentagon. That's not really what he was saying upon further examination. And the question put to him was something like, um, you know, is there evidence that, uh, or, or can you tell how much of the plane actually hit the building? And what he responded was, no, there's no evidence that uh, a, 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 a plane hit anywhere you know, close to the building before slamming into the building. He's basically saying it was a direct hit. So I don't think that the Jamie McIntyre report is a smoking gun, although it has sort of been held up as one. I think it's important in the the interests of being objective to point these things out, that some of these nagging questions have, in fact, been addressed and quite sufficiently uh, for, for my satisfaction, maybe not for yours. But there still are plenty of uh, loose threads to go around. I would be very interested uh, in in uh, in speaking with someone like Norman Mineta, the transportation secretary at the time, who was with Dick Cheney in the underground uh, bunker, which is uh, known as the uh, Presidential Emergency Operations Center. And uh, Cheney had this rather interesting uh, discussion with a young man, according to Mineta, who kept... Uh, coming in and saying to the vice president, the plane is 50 miles out, the plane is 30 miles out, and when it got down to the plane is 10 miles out, the young man also said to the vice president, do the orders still stand? And the vice president turned and whipped his neck around and said, of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary? Now, Mineta went on to explain that he didn't know, at, he didn't know it at the time. He had surmised the standing order the young man asked about must have been to shoot down a plane, a shoot-down order. Uh, but um, apparently, Cheney wasn't willing to give that shoot-down order. And why not? Did he want something to happen? Norman Mineta's testimony was essentially expunged from the 9-11 Commission report. I'd like to know more. I think that's a fair question. What was the standing order? What was Dick Cheney doing there so early in the morning? It seemed like he was orchestrating something. All right, let's say hello to uh, Steve. Steve, welcome to The Conspiracy Show on AM740. Good evening, Richard. How are you tonight? Well. Fine. Uh, I was wondering if you're familiar with um, uh, Road to Tyranny uh, 9-11. It's with Alex Jones on the Genesis Radio Network, and it's called 9-11 Road to Tyranny. And it's a, uh, he's got uh, a few videos out about actual pictures and documentations and things, and what's been discussed here tonight, and I'd like it if uh, Alex Jones could be on your program, and also when he had this, uh, these videos out, they were shown at the theaters in uh, Texas where, where the program originates from, and it's on shortwave. Uh, well, on I've, the- I've had Alex on my program a, a number of times, and I consider him to be a, a friend, uh, yeah. and I've presented some of his films at the, the Review Cinema here in town, and, and happy to do so. I, I'd love to have Alex on again, and... Um, I mean, it's not going to be a debate. I think we're 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 basically on the same page. I just, I have a different approach, as I've uh-huh. said, and I I want the the debate. 
I want it to, to turn down the burner because it's just getting a little too nasty, and I'm concerned that the 9-11 truthers, many of whom are, uh, are, are good people, they're dedicating their lives to uncovering the truth, which is always a noble cause. I'm just concerned that it's, it, they're going to lose the room uh, because this is becoming such a fractious, divisive, uh, toxic debate that could be that, that, that's even splitting up families. I mean, I know people who will not discuss it with members of their family. So we need to we need to turn down the rhetoric, and we need to um, we have we need to have some mutual respect. And I, I have to be honest, Alex uh, isn't known for turning down the rhetoric. He, I mean, he's a wonderful broadcaster. He's a he's a he's a, a researcher, uh, and uh, but I think uh, he's an example of someone who he's so passionate about it. Um, that he uh, unfortunately is is uh, is turning a lot of people off who might be willing to listen under the right circumstances. Do you know what I mean, Steve? And I don't mean that to be a, you know a, 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 I'm not slagging uh, Alex Jones. I'm just saying I think we all need to step back, cool down, and uh, and start and stop name calling. Oh, it was Charlie at all, at all uh, nine y- yards. You know, different angles of the situation, and you know, until we get all the facts in. You're absolutely right. Charlie. All right. Where are you calling from, Steve? I'm I'm calling from Columbus, Ohio, and I I do listen to uh, 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 the station here, uh, 740. Wonderful. It's always nice to uh, uh, to hear from uh, different parts of the continent and uh, who's listening. Steve, I appreciate the call. I hope you'll call again. Thank Thank you very much, and Richard, you have a good evening, and thank you, thank you for your time. All right. Listen, when we come back, Dr. Judy Wood. Her specialty is in mechanical engineering, but she knows. She's a very learned woman. What else can I say? You'll want to listen to what she has to say. I hope you'll listen closely, reserve your judgment, and it may cause you to rethink everything you think you know about what brought down the World Trade Center towers. Dr. Judy Wood and a directed energy weapon, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers. And brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. We continue in the the vein of uh, 9-11 and the nagging questions. And those of you listening, you can continue to call with your nagging questions. We're now heading into a... uh, a discussion relating to 9/11, and that is uh, 
a rather large nagging question. What brought down the World Trade Center Tower uh, buildings? Not just the North and South Tower and Building 7, but there were, uh, depending on who you talk to, eight, possibly nine buildings within the World Trade Center complex uh, that were brought down on rather unusual circumstances. Some, of course, appear to have essentially fallen into their own footprint. Um, and then we hear discussions about things, uh, you know, falling at free fall speed and, and defying the laws of physics and well over my head, uh, considering, you know, I got to, uh, I have about a grade 10 science, high school, uh, science, uh, education. So I really need things sort of spelled out and, uh, I need to be banged over the head before I get it. But eventually I come around. Listen, Dr. Judy Wood is, uh, is with us. She's a former professor of mechanical engineering with research interests in experimental stress analysis, structural mechanics, optical methods, deformation analysis, and the materials characterization of biomaterials and composite materials. Uh, Obviously, a a, a learned woman. She's a member of the Society for Experimental Mechanics, and uh, she basically decided that uh, on the day of 9-11... Things weren't what they appeared to be. And she started digging, and she came up with a rather interesting theory. I think it deserves to be listened to, and I hope you'll give her some time. For those of you who are married to controlled demolition, I think you need to listen again to this woman. Having said that, uh, Dr. Judy Wood, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Well, hello. Thank you. It's good to have you uh, to, to back on. We've, you and I have talked a number of times. And uh, I know that uh, my, uh, my producer, uh, Dan, called you earlier. We had some guests scheduled for the first hour, and uh, for whatever reason, they weren't available out of New York City, and he called you initially to see if you could switch times. I'm guessing your initial thoughts were they're calling to cancel, because this happens to you quite a bit, doesn't it? You, you're, mm-hmm. you're in, yes, it does. You're invited uh, to be interviewed by McLean's Magazine, or you're invited to be on this show on CNN or what have you, and, or uh, Coast to Coast even, and uh, all of a sudden, you get the call, Last minute. Sorry, Dr. Judy, we've had to bump you. What's going mm-hmm. on? What's going on? Uh, folks see my information and think it's really uh, significant stuff, and they then you know schedule me and tell other people about it, and then they run into someone who has been, I think, brainwashed into, you know, don't listen to her, don't listen to her, and really react in a very strong way, and the person doesn't know what to think, and it's last-minute decision, so they cancel. <clears throat> rather than, you know, they don't have time to figure it out for themselves. In other, in other words, on. to paraphrase, you, the information that you have might be a, a little too close to the truth. It's making somebody higher up very nervous, and so they say, I don't know who booked this person, but I'm pulling the plug right now. Right, right. And and then people are also trained to uh, react negatively. They don't know why. They just they do it out of routine. You know, join the crowd. All right. A directed energy weapon. Explain what a directed energy weapon is. It's not a kinetic energy device. It's not a bomb. It's not a physical object that goes flying through through the air and hits something. It's energy that is directed and is used as a weapon. What kind of energy? When I think of energy, I think of microwaves. I think of solar energy. What kind of energy are we talking about here, Judy? A variety. There's a, a pretty wide electromagnetic spectrum, and as I 
it started out joking, and then it turns out I, it, it was right. And it says, well, there's a wide spectrum to pick from, so you can pick and choose or mix and match, however you please. And as it turns out, it is a case of mixing and matching. It's interference of different uh, wavelengths of energy. Are we talking about something I've heard from time to time on the program called scalar energy or scalar technology? I don't know exactly how that is defined, and I, I tend not to go under any you know specific names with specific meanings, but it's it's related, yes, as far as I can tell. And when when I mentioned scalar technology, uh, this is something apparently the the great mind Nikola Tesla was experimenting with, probably close to a hundred years ago, using these huge Tesla coils. Yeah, the, the Tesla coil provides um, a field effect. And then you interfere a different kind of energy within that field, and it interferes with the field and creates uh, another effect. Okay, so this weapon, using some sort of um, uh, electromagnetic field or, or different types of uh, energy, this, mm-hmm. this energy is directed uh, at the, uh, the World Trade Center uh, buildings, uh, the North and South Tower, or all eight or nine buildings in the complex? Uh, do you have uh, a handle on that? How many buildings were targeted? I, I didn't see the crosshairs. <laughs> okay, fair I enough. Where, I don't know who was operating it or, or where it was aimed from and you know where all the parts were and what the serial numbers are and well, so forth. But you, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, and you'll get into this a little bit later uh, uh, in greater detail, but I'm, I'm guessing that this weapon has a signature so that when you look at a building, you can say, yep, that's, um, that's a directed energy weapon. So if that's the case, how many of the buildings that were brought down in the World Trade Center complex had that signature? Well, all of the ones that were brought down, uh, you know, or, or destroyed, they weren't really brought down. They, they went away. Uh, they went away. That's very interesting. Why do you make that distinction? Yeah, once upon a time, there's some buildings, and then they went away. Um, <clears throat> because they didn't hit the ground. They didn't slam into the ground. That's another reason against uh, conventional controlled demolition. How that works is you take the building, you slam it to the ground to break it into pieces. Right, so you get that pancaking effect as well, right? Right, right. And they break apart once they slam to the ground. Okay. The bombs are only used to slice them up, you know, slice the dices, but then the the rest of it slams to the ground and gets busted up. This didn't slam to the ground. There weren't, I mean, I mean there, were, uh, there was a lot of debris, obviously, but not as much debris piled up as you would imagine when you've got 100-plus stories come tumbling down. You would think if there was some pancaking or uh, that, that there would be uh, a tremendous pile of rubble. But there, right. there wasn't. There was just a lot of what seemed to be pulverized dust. So right. that's what a, a directed energy weapon can do. It basically pulverizes the, the building before it hits the ground. Uh, what, what I say, see, I didn't know anything about uh, energy weapons before I started looking at the evidence. But as I say, you look at the evidence carefully enough and long enough, and it will speak to you and tell you exactly what happened to it. And that's, that's what happened. Is, uh, I, the, the biggest aha moment I had was watching the tipping top of the South Tower. As it tips, <clears throat> you see this, this plume of dust squirting out of the, the hinge point. And it looks like the building is water turning to steam. Hmm. When water turns into steam, it expands in volume by 1,600 times. 
1,600 times. It needs to really expand, like every okay. molecule needs to get away from the, its neighbor. Just hold on to that aha moment, uh, Dr. Judy Wood, and uh, I'll get you to explain further. Directed Energy Weapon brought down the World Trade Center buildings. What say you? 416-360-0740. Is this fantasy? Is this woman onto something? You'll tell me. Don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. It's pretty obvious that the judgment is coalescing around the president that it was Osama bin Laden. I, I, I know we live in a country where we're often told that the first thing that comes to your mind, put it down, put the little mark in there. I feel slightly uncomfortable because I spent so many years wondering how the myth of Osama bin Laden got started. We have the Osama bin Laden who was the great war hero in Afghanistan. We have Osama bin Laden who was trained by CIA, funded and supported by CIA during three years of war. I was there at the same time bin Laden was there. He was not the great warrior that went and fought the Soviet Union to a standstill. CIA had nothing to do with him. I think that that mythological Osama bin Laden, never mind that he's an absolutely evil man, but the mythological Osama bin Laden causes me trouble, and I think maybe there there is another answer out there. I'm not certain that I know what it is. Well, Neil Burden, again, you're one of our most experienced people with long experience in Afghanistan. What does your gut tell you about who's responsible for these attacks this week? My gut tells me we don't know the answer yet. My gut tells me that I'm not going to go with the first answer that comes to mind, but that there, there's quite possibly something else out there. Experts will jump on you and say it's Osama bin Laden's M.O. He's the only one that's, that, that, that is capable of this type of coordinated attack. My answer to them is he's the only one you know that's capable of this kind of attack. This was a tremendously sophisticated operation against the United States more sophisticated than anybody would ever have ascribed to, to Osama bin Laden. I think we need to do a little homework. We need to appoint a Team B that looks for somebody else. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. That was uh, Milton Bearden, retired uh, Central Intelligence Agency officer, being interviewed by Dan Rather shortly after 9-11. 30 years with uh, the CIA, station chief in Pakistan, Nigeria, Sudan, Germany, in Pakistan from 86 to 89, and he became the CIA's field officer in Afghanistan, intimately familiar with Osama bin Laden, and you heard him suggesting we really need to think about plan B in terms of who we point the finger at. Osama bin Laden, not capable of this kind of operation, incredibly sophisticated, and uh, he wasn't the guy that could pull this off. That's from a uh, 30-year veteran in the CIA. So, that's another interesting question. There's another guy, maybe uh, the next 9-11 commission, if... uh, the present occupant of the White House has the courage to uh, to launch another investigation. That's another guy they might want to talk to. I don't know. That's just me talking. Uh, Dr. Judy Wood is uh, with us. You know what? If I was uh, the uh, 
the chair of the 9-11 Commission. I'd bring Dr. Judy Wood in, too. I'd want to listen to what this woman has to say. She doesn't believe it was controlled demolition that brought down the World Trade Center Tower buildings. It was a directed, directed energy weapon. Uh, and um, Dr. Judy, uh, let's talk about the, the, the evidence, the signature. What led you to believe that, that this was some sort of a directed energy weapon? You mentioned uh, seeing the... Uh, was it sort of the antenna atop the uh, one of the towers that when it snapped off, it was like this plume of smoke was coming out? Oh, this was the entire uh, top third of Tower 2. Okay. It tipped to the east, and then it just sort of turned into powder. It never slammed to the ground. So and a large building, chunk came off, and in midair, it started to vaporize? Oh, it didn't vaporize. It it, it dustified. That's, that's my new word for it, because it's a new phenomenon. Dustified. So it needs a new word. It's a dustification. The building turned into dust in midair without hitting anything. That's not physically possible, I'm guessing. Obviously it is, because it happened. Hmm. Yeah, experimental evidence is the truth. So it, looking at it, it looked like every molecule, instead of being attracted to its neighbor, suddenly repelled it, like somebody flipped the sign of it. All right. Again, why does this point to directed energy? Energy fields can do things like this. They can. Uh, everybody, pretty much everybody remembers as, as a child playing with uh, a wire coil going around a nail. Yes. You plug it into a 9-volt battery, and, and the nail becomes a magnet. Right. Electric uh, magnet. Mm-hmm. You can turn a uh, magnetic field into, ma- into electricity or electricity into magnetism. The two fields interact, and they do weird things when you mix them together. Just like that scene in the Ghostbusters where uh, Bill Murray said to Chevy Chase, or not to Chevy Chase, to uh, Dan Aykroyd, don't cross the beams. I guess somebody crossed the beams, but on purpose. Right. Well, in some cases, not quite on purpose. It's the interaction between the two or more than two, it could be. But think of one as a catalyst for the other. So if you have one field, like provided by um, uh, a Tesla coil or a Van de Graaff generator, some kind of a field, and then you, you put in the catalyst, the catalyst provides the direction where, where the interaction is going to occur. So what's the catalyst? Uh, some, a different kind of beam. Okay, so we're talking multiple multiple beams here. Uh, now, this would have to be a very large nail and a very large piece of wire wrapped around that nail. I'm guessing it wasn't a nail and a piece of wire, something more sophisticated. Right. Any idea what this weapon would look like? I mean, would it be portable? Would you have to place it on the roof of another building? Could it be on a ship off of you know in uh, off of Manhattan Island? Oh, I, I don't go into so much of where it's located and, you know, where it's plugged in and all that. It, it, a lot of folks have given me grief over not making calculations for how much energy is required. We don't need to. We have the proof of concept. You know, the buildings aren't there anymore, are they? So there was obviously enough energy. Okay, but... but you, but you need to know the mechanism in order to be able to calculate the energy anyway. All right. But I, we need more than, uh, I would think, than just um, suggesting that a piece fell off uh, off the, uh, the South Tower and um, sort of turned to dust before it hit the ground. Um, in the absence of any meaningful crime scenes, since Giuliani saw fit to haul this stuff off to China and India... Uh, well, wait, do you know that it went to China? 
Do I know that it went to China? Yeah. Did, did you see any receipts, or, or is it that just hearsay? It, you know what? To be honest, it's 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 hearsay. That that's what I figured because I've got pictures taken from Ground Zero before noon on nine eleven, and the material's all gone. Did did they pack it up before noon? <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a U-Haul job, that's for sure. It's but the ground's level. Judy, talk to me some more then about the signature. One of the things that I've seen on your website, and I'll direct people to that now, and that's uh, uh, judywood.com. Dr. Judy Do- Wood. My apologies, yes, drjudywood.com. Uh, uh, and that is vehicles in and around, uh, as, as far as away, I think, as the, um, what's the, um, the, the... FDR Drive. The, the FDR Drive, the expressway that goes around the island. Cars on their roof, but in otherwise pristine condition. What is that all about? There's cars that are right side up, upside down, toasted in funny ways. Like uh, my favorite one, and this is another aha moment, is this police car under FDR Drive over on the East River, at least a half mile away, that completely toasted on the back end, I mean on the front end, and then it abruptly stops at the end of the door, and it's pristine new wax job on the back end. And then on the side of it, it looks toasted. Toasted is just a kind of a general term I'm using for affected. We don't know what happened to it, but it's toast. It's history. You can't repair it. But it's, it's kind of uh, cooked looking. And, but there's a circular spot in the middle of it that looks pristine. And you, you went, how can that happen? Fire, with fire, there's, you know, hot, cold, and shades of gray in between it, because of, of heat conduction. You can't have, uh, you know, something totally burned up to a particular line, then one nanometer over, have it in pristine condition. It doesn't make sense for a conventional fire. A conventional fire. Well, is there anything conventional about, uh, you know, all that jet fuel burning at such a high temperature and how, igniting? How is that over an FDR drive? Mm. Good question. Up in the parking lot. <laughs> Good question. I mean, how many how many automobiles uh, are we talking about? Uh, uh, well, and where did you get these photos? Uh, there's at least 1,400 automobiles uh, that, that there was still something left to call it a, a, an automobile. 1,400 vehicles that were affected in this bizarre manner. They, right, that were totaled due to, uh, you know, quote, car fires. Right. <clears throat> and how many of them were uh, exhibited this, uh, what you would call a signature of a directed energy weapon? There were, you know, some you can say, oh, it looks like a normal car fire, but there's, there's anomalies that do not occur with normal car fires. For example, absolutely no trace of a window or the, or the window frame. It looks like it was sandblasted ready for a paint job, completely cleared. And with car fires, you have scraps of broken glass left around the windows. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, throw open the lines. I think people are starting to get the gist of where you're going with this. There's much more, much, much more, more to fill, more than could fill three or four uh, programs. But um, we've got till the top of the hour. If you have initial comments, we'd love to hear them. Dr. Judy Wood, a directed energy weapon, something that perhaps came out of the Strategic Defense Initiative, responsible for the destruction of the World Trade Center towers. You tell me. Back with more of the Richard or of the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. I think we owe it to the memory of those 
3,000-plus people that died on 9-11 to leave no stone unturned. I don't think the 9-11 Commission report did that. 60% of the commissioners basically have now gone public to say so. It was a complete whitewash. I don't think it's too much to ask for a new investigation. And uh, this time, let's put all the cards on the table. Let's talk to everybody, including Dr. Judy Wood. Let me um, uh, uh, crib something here from her website, www.drjudywood.com. Doctor, that's drjudywood.com. We stand today at the dawn of an entirely new age. Man has in his hands a method of disrupting the molecular basis for matter and the ability to split the earth in half on a moment's notice. It gives the term scorched earth policy a new significance. The technology that was demonstrated on 9-11 can split the earth in half or it can be used to allow all people to live happily ever after with free energy. However, he who controls the energy controls the people. Control of energy leads to destruction of the planet. Dr. Judy Wood, what is the relationship between this directed energy weapon and free energy? Look at how much energy came out of what happened. Can it be, you're saying that it can be harnessed, uh, it could be... It can be used for good. Okay. If, uh, like, like, some of this, when you see the, the steel falling, it actually, I believe, falls faster than free fall of gravity, because I think it's being projected downwards. Being projected downwards, okay. Right. Yeah, that By shouldn't happen. out the back. That shouldn't happen, Okay. Uh, I'm looking at uh, one of the photos, figure one on um, your website, and it says, My intellectual integrity prevents me from calling this a collapse. This is why I've chosen to stand up. My conscience leaves me no other choice. And we're seeing one of those classic aerial photos of uh, huge plumes of smoke and dust coming out of uh, one of the towers. And uh, it seems to me on your website, you talk also about uh, dust particles that... uh, are lighter than air. In fact, they just continue to float. And I'm wondering, we hear all of these reports of all of the uh, the volunteer uh, rescue workers and the firemen and the police and others who were down on the scene at the time, now suffering uh, and many dying of these horrible pulmonary obstruction type disorders and diseases and uh, uh, whether that might be related to these particulates uh, that you talk about. What Do they actually... What do you mean by that? I mean, they're lighter than air? They're just, what does that mean? They're, they're finer. They're, uh, they, they're so fine that they waft up. First, the, the coarse particles land on the ground, and then they break down, continue to break down until they start wafting up. And you see this mist over the ground, and that's what it's from. But if you're inhaling this stuff, and it's breaking down finer and finer, and this is finer, you know, submicron size particles, they have measured, and that's of the stuff that didn't go way up, the stuff they actually captured. If someone is breathing this and it's still coming apart, what is that doing to the body? It goes right into the bloodstream. It's smaller than the size of a red blood cell. So you think that these particulates are the culprit with all these illnesses and, and deaths? I don't know if it's the culprit, but it sure would be a culprit. I don't number have one choice in my book. I don't have a number of the, those that are actually sick or have died since 9/11, but we could actually end up doubling or tripling the number of deaths uh, after the fact. Uh, so I, there's another thing that needs to be examined. What, why are these people dying left, right, and center? Those people that uh, were 
volunteers uh, at uh, Ground Zero. Uh, what, um, I mean, do you have any idea who would possess such a weapon? For example, is there a patent for this type of technology? Do you know for a fact that it exists, or is this just speculation? Well, uh, there's been a proof of concept, and we're very fortunate to know of John Hutchison. Yes, no John. Be- because he can do this, you know, tabletop version of it on a very small scale, but he shows that the physics do indeed work. And the reason why we have access to him is because he doesn't work for a government agency. He hasn't signed contracts, secrecy agreements. So he is accessible. And there are very few who know of this technology who are in that position. You say that you suspect that this came out of the, uh, the, uh, the SDI, Strategic Defense well, Initiative. Well, not that it, it came out of it, but you can be sure that they studied it in there, and they studied other, people's ver- other countries' versions of it. Is there a paper trail? Is there any, any written documentation that would uh, suggest that that was the case? Uh, someone, you know, some scientist talking about this technology or anything like that? Uh, I have seen uh, various uh, scientists from different countries ta- referring to this technology. And it's something that, again, doesn't hit the mainstream. It's kept quiet. But if it's been around 100 years, there are some people who, you know, sort of buck the system and go outside of the box and do study it. They just get silenced a lot. Well, well, you know, when it comes to levels of technology and where we're at now and where we might be without our knowledge, I I, I always hearken back to a comment by, um, I believe it was Ben Rich, who was the, the former head of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. And uh, he was quoted as saying, pretty much on his deathbed, that uh, we are 50 years beyond most people's wildest imaginations in terms of the technology that's available. And he said we have, and he's talking now about the aerospace industry, we have things sitting out there in the desert, presumably under lock and key in some hangar. We have things out in the desert that, again, 50 years beyond your wildest dreams, and if you've seen it on Star Wars... Or on Star Trek, we've been there, done that, or decided it wasn't worth the effort. That tells me that, um, you know, if they were working on laser beams 60 years ago, first starting to play around with them, or 50 years ago, I can't even imagine where they're at with laser beam technology. Not uh, where we think they're at, but where they're actually at. So, 1945 was when they discovered microwaves, and mid-50s is when they uh, first start, uh, started using lasers. So there's probably been some advances since then. All right. Uh, do you want to take some calls? Sure. All right, uh, Dr. Wood. Um, gird yourself, I guess, because I'm, I'm just anticipating we're going to get... You've, listen, you've, you've, I don't need to warn you. You've been there, done oh, yeah. that, and you've heard it all. Yeah. Uh, let's see what the folks have to say, but I'm going to warn you, I, you know, I, uh, the callers, that is. I, one of the, the, the things that we do on this program is we engage in civil, respectful discourse. You can disagree with somebody as much as you want, but no name calling. And uh, uh, let's just, you know, keep it uh, above board, shall we? Let's uh, begin with uh, Jay. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show, Jay. Hello. Hi there. Hello, uh, Dr. Wood. Did, were you, when you mentioned Nikolai Tesla, were you talking about HARP? Uh, not, no, uh, not necessarily. It's uh, other types of uh, energy or interactions. Well, HARP has, be, has become operational since 2002. Correct. 
that, that we're told. But uh, this doesn't really have a lot to do with HARP. I don't know what HARP is. I just know what we're told it if is. If you go online, you can find out. Fish this around the world want it dismantled because they're afraid of it. Uh, right. But there's other types of technology that, that are not public that I am more concerned with. And uh, Nikola Tesla exhibited some of these things. Uh, look up the Colorado Springs power plant. I think he blew, blew it up accidentally. The, Tesla thinks he did. Is that the right, Judy? You were, saying, you were saying Nikola Tesla th- may have blew, blew, blown up the, uh, the Colorado Springs power plant? Yeah, accidentally. Ah, using this same type of technology. Correct. All right. Thank you for the call, Jay. Well, uh, in terms of HARP, the um, uh, Highly Active uh, Activated Auroral Research Project, I think, is the acronym. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible with acronyms, but it's um, something like that. This array of huge array of radio antennae up in uh, the Copper Valley in Alaska uh, is supposed to be basically blasting the ionosphere with microwaves, and uh, ostensibly it's supposed to facilitate greater... Uh, communications for uh, the military and uh, uh, allow them to communicate to, with uh, with submarines that don't um, you know surface like uh, nuclear submarines etc. But uh, obviously there are many who think that that they're they're using it for weather manipulation uh, to change the jet stream to cause earthquakes etc. etc. Who really knows? Um, but uh, let me ask you about something else that's very interesting on your website, and that is. The, um, the appearance of a, a, a hurricane mm-hmm. that was approaching Manhattan Island on that very same day, September 11, 2001. How does the appearance of a hurricane, and I don't know what level we're talking about, but how does that have anything to do with the destruction of the World Trade Center towers? Field effects. Field effects, all right. Uh, people who have arthritis often talk about feeling a storm approaching. Yes. And there's the different electrical energy at that time. Also, there uh, is, is thunder and lightning ahead of the storm. It, it, it isn't right where the storm is, but ahead of it, you get thunder and lightning happening. We had uh, thunder reported at Newark Airport, JFK Airport, and LaGuardia Airport on 9-11. So there's evidence that field effects reached there. The outer bands of the hurricane reached the end of Long Island and over Cape Cod. It was about 500 miles in diameter, a huge hurricane. And what level? Uh, it was up to a Category 3, but it stepped down to a 1 as it spread out. Like a figure skater, when they spread their arms out, they slow down. That's interesting. We have a Level 3 hurricane offshore of, uh, of New York, and a Level 3 slamming into New York would do an awful lot of... Damage yet? I don't recall hearing anything about that on the news that day. For it, for four days, it was marching in a in a beeline straight to New York City. There was a, a cold front, high pressure zone from the Midwest coming east, and they assumed that would keep it from coming ashore. But they weren't sure when it would turn around. If you're not sure, don't you warn the people? You would think there would have been an evacuation order given. And not only that, if it stalled out for any moments longer than it did. You have a problem with storm surges. It's not so much the hurricane coming ashore, but the storm surges. So let me see. If, JFK is right there at sea level. Let me see if I understand this. You're you're saying that this hurricane is sort of uh, an ancillary, or a um, uh, 
an ancillary effect of this. Somebody turned on this device, and one of the things that happens is it, it, uh, it creates hurricanes as an unintended consequence. Well, I don't know how it got created. That's a different uh, set of questions. But what I do know is if you aren't 100% sure that that hurricane isn't going to be causing a problem, you're going to tell the people about it, just in case. If you, right. If you, so what this implies to me is that whoever is in charge of the hurricane knew exactly how long it was going to be there. there surely there must, be, there must have been uh, meteorologists at, at the hundreds of stations, uh, television stations, New Jersey, New York, up and down the east, northeast coast, who saw this thing coming, were trying to bring somebody's attention to it, um, and we're and we're totally blown away by how you know this thing just suddenly stops in its tracks and retreats. Oh, there's plenty of uh, warnings that uh, down in the Carolinas as the thing is approaching it, it goes just past um, Bermuda, and they're worried about storm surges up and down the Virginia coast and and New Jersey, and then suddenly all those reports stop, and mm. you don't hear anything more about it until it's up in uh, Nova Scotia. <clears throat> All right, let me work in a quick call, and um, before we break away, let's say hello to Glenn. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show, Glenn. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm well, Glenn. Thanks for uh, get, not giving me up the fight and coming back on the air. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I just couldn't believe uh, showing the, listening to you on the laptop with a friend of mine, and you're saying that uh, the towers were not uh, demolished by... Uh, controlled demolition let me put it this way glenn i'm no longer married to that scenario i'm willing oh. to uh, to listen uh i mean i yeah i i don't necessarily think uh, i think we need to start looking elsewhere but that doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't an inside job glenn so what about dr uh stephen jones and uh robert gage i've had richard gage on the program and i have to uh suggest to you that the gentleman that he debated on my program ron craig uh, pretty much dismantled his argument. In fact, Richard Gage and Stephen Jones w were unfortunately ambushed on a television show recently where they, um, they didn't see it coming. They weren't aware of what kind of evidence was going to be presented to them. Oh. And uh, they were shown how uh, thermite, you know, couldn't get the job done in terms of cutting through metal, et cetera, et cetera. Really? And uh, Gage and, and Jones were sort of uh, uh, left with their, uh, their jaw hanging wide open. I, uh, Again, they were ambushed. That's not ethical journalism. Sure. However, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, it doesn't seem to add up. Okay. Um, Richard Gage has come to Toronto. Did, did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, uh, I just don't have the exact information when. Well, I'll look, I'll, I'll look into it. I'd, lo I'd love to have him on, you know, yeah, give him another website, hearing. If you could. All right. Thank you for the call, Glenn. Uh, Dr. Wood, um, well, I got to I got to um, step away here, but listen, stay with us, and um, we'll come back and take some more calls. DrJudyWood.com is the website. Check it out. It's too important to ignore. Is it possible the World Trade Center buildings were brought down by some sort of directed energy weapon? The technology exists. The question is, who has it, and do they intend to use it again? Well, Dan, not far from here, a passerby found the passport of one of the hijackers. Evidence this disaster scene is also a crime scene. The world is being pulled over your eyes. 
This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You know, we've all heard that, uh, that seemingly mythological story about the, the, the passport of not one but later two hijackers found in pristine condition. And I, I tell you, I spent the better part of today looking for that clip because I needed to know for sure whether that was true, that that was actually reported, that that actually went out over the air. And there it was, CBS, Byron Pitts, uh, Dan Rather threw to that report. And uh, I kept listening to the clip, the rest of the report, and that was all there was. That was the only allusion to the passport. Then he went on to talk about, uh, you know, the, the great uh, work the volunteer rescuers were doing down at, the, uh, at Ground Zero. He didn't attribute it. He didn't do anything except just throw that in there. Someone has found a passport. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? All right. Uh, email here, and I have the greatest listeners, man. They, um, they know more than I do about this stuff. And someone earlier had mentioned uh, when I suggested that the FBI didn't have enough evidence to go after bin Laden. Uh, he says, well, they had enough evidence to go after the 20th hijacker, and there was a trial, and uh, he was found guilty. And this email says, no, there was no trial for the 20th hijacker. They made him confess under torture. The trial was a sentencing hearing, and it was presented to the public so they would remember something about a court case. Uh, excellent point. Uh, that's right. That was uh, Zacharias Musawi. There was no actual court case. He did confess, and uh, admittedly, under some duress. <laughs> All right, Dr. Judy Wood is uh, with us, drjudywood.com. And... Um, Let's go back to the phones and say hello to Michael. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Michael, hello. Let's lock him in there. Here you are, Michael. You're on. Okay, hi. Yeah, I found it, I find it interesting, that uh, Richard, that you just mentioned that um, Dr. Jones and uh, Richard Gage were kind of ambushed uh, and their, uh, the thermite thing was kind of discredited. Yes. Um, I mean, to my, I mean, to my, that was my impression. Others who might know more would say, might look at that and say, yeah, you know what? No, they, uh, they didn't convince me. I mean, I'm not an explosives expert. What can I say? Okay. Um, Dr. Wood, I, I really support your work tremendously. Um, you know, I, I totally agree with, with what you've found. Um, I, I'm just wondering if you, can maybe give us a rundown as to whether or not you think there's a legitimate um, uh, a, a legitimate way in which um, thermite and directed energy weapon could 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 have both been operative. Good question. Um, Good question. Maybe a two-part system um, of some sort. That's a great point, Michael. Dr. Judy Wood, is it possible we're looking at a combination of things here? Well, it makes the job much more difficult. Uh, it, it's like coordinating bubble gum with directed energy weapons. If you replace <laughs> I understand your sarcasm. I, I really yeah, I know it, what you're saying. Um, you know, I I'm use just... weird, weird terms, you know, fuzzy blobs and so forth. I use them as placeholders until I understand the phenomenon. If you use bubble gum as the placeholder, put, put that in every place where you see thermite and then read it, read the document. It, it, it's it's that people are mesmerized by this fancy word, thermite. Now it's nanothermite. It now it's nanothermite they're using. Right, and then right. there's also spray on this thermite and the super thermite, and it, it keeps you know changing names. 
But one right. thing that has not been shown is how thermite or thermate, whatever you want to call it, how it explains any of the evidence. Right, I, I agree. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to uh, see if, if uh, you know, if, 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 you know, how how you really, how we can really get rid of this and put this to this thermite thing to bed, you know, and and you know, so that you show a proof of concept. Show, you know, John John Hutchison has a proof of concept of this kind of physics that I'm talking about. He yeah. demonstrates how each one of these phenomena have been, you know, reproduced. That produces here, you know, the the series I have with the Hutchison effect shows picture from Ground Zero, picture that John Hutchison has produced, picture right. back and right. forth. Right. If you can produce that for, with thermite, you know, that would really help. Um, one page of mine that's, that's probably good, useful to go to is the Cliff Notes page, or drjudywood.com/wtc, and there's sort of a, a overview of all the different types of evidence. And if and there's a list of right now 41 items of evidence that need to be explained. Uh, thank you for the call, Michael. Uh, Dr. Wood, I've um, had the great pleasure of speaking with John Hutchison on this program uh, a number of times. And when he talked about the Hutchison effect, one of the uh, effects was uh, uh, well, levitation, uh, which might explain how those vehicles got turned upside down on the uh, FDR expressway. The other thing was the uh, metal uh, turning into almost a um, jelly. Jelly. Any evidence of of that? I mean, did you see any of these? You know, those those core beams. Everyone talks about those forty-seven core beams. Um, that were constructed in 30-foot lengths and then sort of bolted together. Uh, any evidence there of pictures or anything that, that suggests that they were turned to jelly? Oh, yeah. There's, there's one famous picture of this big horseshoe-shaped beam. And if a column buckles, it has a kink in it. It isn't this... It doesn't curl around more than 180 degrees. You know, it doesn't curl around like those ribbons people wear, that you know, a bow. <laughs> And there's the smooth curves, and you cannot get that by a mechanically induced load or overload. All right, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Kenny, welcome to the Conspiracy Show on AM seven forty. Uh, I have a friend who's a explosives expert, and he said that if if the fire had weakened the the steel on those floors, then the top part of the building should have tipped over and fell down. And and I also wonder about the reports of molten metal found weeks later in the wreckage. Yeah, nothing burns for weeks like that, uh, uh, Dr. Wood. Uh, Would your theory explain these pools of molten lava? Uh, I've yet to see pools of molten lava. Of all the stories we've heard, we've never seen a picture of it. And it's it's, uh, my thought that it's the cover story for why we have these pretzel-shaped beams. That you know, right uh, that afternoon of 9/11, there was a break in the um, uh, one of the main water lines on West Street, and it turned into a lake. It was flooded out. There was no steam explosion. This is before the buildings were uh, the planes flew into the buildings. This is after the buildings. Oh, went after poof. the buildings. Uh, before Building Seven went poof. So, in other words, what they didn't turn this this uh, directed energy weapon off, or once you once you turn it on, the effects are long lived. Well, it, it, it's that the, the buildings went away, and if if you're saying that there was, that there's something that created molten metal from that, 
if it were hot, molten metal would you know, be like, uh, well, depending on what kind of metal it is, uh, molten uh, steel or molten iron is like 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit. What would happen if you put 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit liquid metal in your swimming pool? Uh, yeah, I can. I think I know where you're going. All but right. Ch- Chernobyl was a steam explosion that, that destroyed right. Chernobyl. Stay, stay, stay put. Got to uh, step away. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show on AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Time is tight. Uh, next week on the program, the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, if you want to know about the role of the Federal Reserve and central banking and how we got into this mess that we're in, you'll want to listen to that program. G. Edward Griffin, next week on The Conspiracy Show. Sheldon, you've been very patient. Thank you. You're on the line with Dr. Judy Wood. Go ahead. Hi, um... I'm one of Dr. Wood's biggest supporters. Um, I really appreciate everything she's doing to try to get the word out. Um, I was wondering, Richard, have you personally considered uh, confronting George Norrie or the producer at Coast to Coast to try to get uh, Dr. Wood on that program? Well, I did uh, a guest host on the program, and uh, I, uh, I don't know what I could do. I mean, <laughs> what are you suggesting? You want me to email uh, uh, the, the producer, Lisa Lyon, or George Norrie? Yeah, you know, I've, I've repeatedly emailed Lisa Lyon there, and she just never gets, seems to get around to contacting Dr. Wood. And I, I think this is just c- crucial, earth-shattering information that needs to get on a program like that as well. Well, I'll tell you what, Sheldon. She may not get on Coast to Coast, but I'll, I'd be happy to have Dr. Judy Wood back on this program. And uh, the, the, let me tell you about the listening, uh, the, the, the footprint that this radio station has. We are heard from Maine to Minnesota and from Thunder Bay, Ontario, all the way down to the Carolinas. So uh, we're heard in New York, Washington, Chicago, Milwaukee. Um, a lot of people listening tonight. So if they won't have her on Coast to Coast, I'll have Dr. Judy Wood back here on the program. Sheldon, thank you for your call. Uh, Dr. Judy Wood, uh, as I say, I will have you back on. There's a lot of um, information here I think that needs to be uh, said. Do you want to give us quickly one more piece of uh, uh, evidence that you think points to directed energy? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, The Earth's magnetic field abruptly shifted on 9-11, precisely when the North Tower got its hole in it. They say a plane impact. I just generically say it got its hole. And, And precisely when the South Tower got its hole... And precisely when each tower went poof. How, how would that be measured, and where would you get that information? Uh, well, I've got the uh, data on my, my website, but uh, also I got, I'd gotten it from the Alaska magnetometer uh, site from six different stations where it was recorded. And was a significant uh, change in, in, in that? It... Sorry, you cut out there, Dr. Judy. Yeah, it, it should be explained. Uh, you know, somebody needs to explain why, you know, Five different moments in time where, where precisely this anomaly occurs. For 20 minutes before the North Tower got its hole, the, uh, all the, the signals started going, going down, going down, 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 and abruptly at, uh, what was it, 8.46 and so many seconds, it abruptly starts back up. It's like a V-shaped right there. All right. Um, who do you think, again, we're speculating, who do you think has this weapon? I mean, this, the, the fact that it's a directed energy weapon doesn't necessarily indicate that it was an inside job. Some, this could have been a legitimate attack against the United States by some foreign power then. Exactly. You're not ruling that out. 
Correct. And yes, uh, in this report was to cover it up, but they would want to cover it up regardless of who did it. If you think about it, uh, this, if this is uh, uh, classified technology, they don't want to expose that to the public if they have it. If they don't have it, they surely don't want to expose that to the public. Do you think it's going to be used again? Oh, surely, unless we do something about it. We have a choice. We can use this for good, or we can put our heads in the sand and allow it to continue to be used for evil. Dr. Judy, Dr. Judy Wood.com, the website, drjudywood.com. Thank you for this, uh, Judy, and um, we'll, we'll speak again soon, I hope. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Again, this program exists to provide a safe platform for rational, civil discourse on all the big questions. Again, next week, G. Edward Griffin, a giant in the field, really, author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, will talk about his organization, Freedom Force International, which is really about how we can all fight back and take back our personal freedoms, how we can take back our countries, the United States and Canada. Thank you to uh, Dan Ellison, who is uh, responsible for flying this spacecraft through the night. I hope you enjoyed the program. I hope you'll join me next week. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I speak in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.